Hello and welcome to Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. Money Mindset. I think that sounds all right. Hello and welcome to Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. Thanks so much for joining us. Today we're joined by Rob Smith, who is the founder of Lust for Life Coaching. He was a former trader and he has built a property empire. So we're going to go through how he's done that and how we can learn from it as well. So thanks so much for joining us, Rob. So you were a commodity trader. Is there one day which was kind of crazy or you, that you made loads of money or kind of tell me more about some of your experiences at, um, when you were trading and kind of the busy days compared to what, when you were kind of on a high when you were trading or yeah, tell me more about your experiences trading. This podcast is brought to you by the book Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. It's the five-step method to getting money mindset, getting more money into your pocket, more time in your day and less stress in your life. Get your copy today. Yeah, tell me more about your experiences trading. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I saw very early it was what I wanted to do and I badgered the trading desk until they gave me a job. Uh, I, I, I loved it. Uh, weirdly, I felt more powerful on the days when I lost a load of money. Okay. I didn't. I didn't take it personally. I didn't lose sleep. I was like, "Wow, this company trusts me to, to lose that amount of money, and they're backing me to to gain it back." It was like, "Wow, this is that was those were the days that were really crazy." I, I also loved the good days. I loved the celebrating. I loved the the. I always worked in good teams, and I really really enjoyed that. Yeah, I I had one bad. So I think I traded for thirteen years. I had one year which wasn't so good. Uh, I was a blue-eyed boy at a, a company called RWE in the UK. Everything yeah. had gone right in my career up until this point. It was late twenties, and then we employed a trader who was a really nice man, but was a bit rubbish. Yeah. So I'd never had to face adversity at work. I never, I'd never had a political issue like that. So rather than stay and try and sort it out, I. I had a phone call, someone offering me a job in Geneva, and I just decided to move to Geneva. Didn't think, nice. didn't talk to anyone about it. Got to Geneva, and all of a sudden, I wasn't the blue-eyed boy anymore. I wasn't the boy who couldn't do anything wrong. I was just a number who was required to make P&L. I hated Geneva. I didn't think the company was a really cutthroat trading house compared to IWE. So I had the choice of completely adjusting my trading style uh, to fit in with this new environment or come back to England with my tail between my legs. So I stick, I stuck it out. I adjusted my trading style. I started a football team in Geneva. I made the most of being there, knowing full well I was only going to stay for a year because that was what my contract was. And I ha- I did hate it and I knew I'd come back. So I came back a lot more grounded. It, it really helped to make me grow up. It helped me to be able to trade in a different way. Uh, it made me less arrogant. It made me appreciate what I had back here a lot more. And it was a really great learning experience. It was something that I needed at that point in time. So then when I came back, I went back to RWE, the company I'd been at, traded a different commodity. And then the next big decision I was faced with was three years after that. I was literally the only person in the world commuting from London to Swindon. Uh, and I did it for three years and it was just too much. I was getting up at five o'clock, getting home at eight in the evening and it wasn't sustainable. So I told RWE I, told I was quitting and they offered me a job back in London, Okay. which was with a team that I knew, respected me. 
I knew I'd fit in and uh, I, it, it was the right fit. But at the same time, a, a separate startup company came in and offered me a job. And at this point, my motivation was solely that I'd only proved myself at one company. I'd gone to Geneva and although it wasn't a disaster, it didn't work out in any way how I hoped. Yeah. So I didn't take the safe option. I went for the tricky option of this startup company uh, and had a wonderful two years, made lots of money personally and professionally. Unfortunately, the company was Brazilian and then the Brazilian banks had a load of problems and so they pulled out the market. And that was at the point I decided I had nothing left to prove to anyone. I didn't really need to make any more money. Uh, I ticked all the boxes I wanted to tick. And the things that I used to love about trading, I wasn't loving anymore. Yeah. So it was at that point I decided to jack it all in and try something new. Okay, that's a great story. And that's a real good insight, Rob. So let's, so the listener at home, let's kind of break down trading and kind of the mindset of how, what goes through a trader's mind, how you're going to make money. So the way I think when I was, I was, Gas operator, so it was like so. If you turn, think of it when you turn the heating at home on. That's gas, natural gas. You turn it on if you're cooking at home. That's gas. So what a trade that people used to do, or the traders used to do, if it was say uh, move, if it was, it was very weather dependent. So if it was say cold in Germany, for instance, you could buy in the UK if it's warm in the UK and ship that to Germany, for instance, and then you could make money on the difference in price, and they call that kind of arbitrage in price. As you make money on the the, what they call the spread but may that's the kind of the basic kind of stuff but you're much more advanced trader than i was you worked in geneva and you did so maybe so first of all what commodity you talk about commodities what commodities did you trade and what kind of mindset what were you thinking what yeah what was going through your mind what, to make us be to be a successful trader that someone listening at home could actually think oh that makes sense when when i'm trading so the the most fundamental, so the two things that trading was gas and coal, and the most fundamental thing is knowing your product, having the analysis right. There's no easy money to be made out there. I strongly believe that you need yeah. to have the right analysis. So you've touched on weather there. So weather is extremely important. So we actually employed a weatherman yeah. uh, at all the all the shops I, I worked at. It was always extremely important to hire a good weatherman. And it was extremely important to have the right information in front of you. So I always made sure I had a good analysis team, someone who had very, I'm not an analytical person at all. So I'd have someone who was next, right next to me, someone I got on with well, someone who I trusted, someone who, who worked well with me. And every morning they would put their analysis on my desk and then it was up to me to take that analysis. And one of my main strengths is just my gut feel for the market. So I had all this analysis to build from and then I used that to put on my positions. And that would, so the, the thing I would say to everyone is do your research and, and know your analysis. If you're not good at that side of things, get to work with someone who is. But it's absolutely crucial because if you don't, you're not, you're going to get lucky sometimes, but you're not going to, you're going to get unlucky more than you'll get lucky because there's people out there who do really know their stuff. And if you're relying on the flip of a coin, the chances are you're not going to win. If you do your research, you're doing your analysis properly. And you're giving yourself a great platform to make money. That's great. No, thanks so much. So, just for the listener at home, so we've talked about it before on the podcast where there's a difference between trading, which is buying and selling daily or a short period of time, compared to investing. So, investing's I think of it like we talked about in the first podcast where you're planting a seed and it's over a long time. That that seed's going to grow into a tree, and that tree's going to provide fruits later on. So, there's a very big difference between trading and investing. So, trade. What we're talking about here is. Now, trading daily trading buying and selling 
And it's also, we're talking about doing it as a job as well. So today everyone's an investor. So if you work at a job, you're an investor, you're auto-enrolled into your pension, where what we're talking about here is trading. You can actually, you can still trade at home. There's, there's a number of kind of people that, that the availability to trade these days is amazing. And you can do your own analysis and you can do your own trading. But I guess I wanted to highlight there's a difference between trading as a job or trading and compared to investing. Um, yeah, so no, that's, a, that's a great insight. And, yeah, yeah. So take those points and Neil, just take those points. So quite, yeah. quite simply, if I'm trading for a big company, I've got them backing me. It's not my money that I'm losing. It's their money. And obviously, they've got far deeper pockets so they can they can take the volatility of the market. If you're trading at home, uh, your stop losses are going to be a lot smaller. So even if you're completely right about something, you might get it wrong for one day and you get stopped out. So they make you take the position off because you've lost the amount of money that you were willing to put in to start with. Whereas investing, you're not going to lose a lot of money over the long term trading. You could be bankrupt within a day. It's as simple as that. The, the risk is a lot, lot higher. The reward's a lot, lot higher as well. But as I, as I re said before, and I reiterate this as strongly as possible, you need to know your stuff. There's no such thing as an easy win. Yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for clearing it up. That's great. So, yeah, anything else you want to talk about trading as well? Any kind of insights or anything you could, any value that you could give to the listener that you would, that's, I think it's more that, it's maybe if you're looking to become trading as a trading as a job or actually trading at home. So if, if the listener at home is wanting to be trading at home, you mentioned yeah, having, I think risk is super important that you mentioned previously. Any other things that you'd want to mention as well? Do you, yeah, start, start small, get a, start small. If you're trading at home, certainly start small, build up your knowledge, build up the knowledge of the platform, build up the knowledge of the markets that you're, you're playing in. And when you've actually got some profit profit behind you, then start to go a bit bigger. Don't dive in both feet first. Take everything very, very slowly. And okay, amazing. So tell me about do you ever have a, like an aha moment with money or investing or trading? Where I, I mean that by that you were going throughout your day and you're like, oh, that makes so much sense now that I didn't see it before, or any kind of kind of insight that you saw with either your money or your mind, money mindset where you where your thinking has changed. I'm kind of thinking of Kind of money mindset or i think you it really, was you change it was when i got my when i got my first big bonus that would have been back in 2003 and up until that point i guess i was like everyone else i kind of had an all right card got my first mortgage but i didn't really have any money to spare and then suddenly i had a, a lump sum site in my bank account there was no point leaving it in my bank account because the interest was rubbish and I had to decide what to do with it. So that was the big aha moment, I guess. And coming back to kind of, I should ask about numbers as well. So when you were trading, you were trading, you're a big company. What kind of numbers, what, what kind of numbers of, were you trading? What kind of, in the terms of pounds and dollars? So I think the most we ever made in one year was 125 million pounds that I wow. ever made. I think some people are making a, a lot more in this year's commodity bull run, but that was the most we ever made. And the most they ever lost in a day was 10 million pounds. Wow. That must have hurt. <laughs> oh, as, as I touched on earlier that day, it was like, it was nothing. So sometimes in these markets, uh, I'd always try and look at what I've done wrong if I lost money. Yeah. I can't remember, I can't actually remember the event that day, but I think it was a storage facility setting on fire. 
Yeah. So it was an event that no one could have predicted. Our analysis wasn't incorrect. It was just a, a one in a million event. And you just walked away from it and there was nothing you could learn. It was just one of those things. You started again tomorrow, did the new and that you did the analysis again with this event now included and kind of went again. And that year we still ended up making a lot of money. And uh, yeah, it was like, I just felt really kind of powerful that the company let me lose 10 million pounds. Yeah. Oh, amazing. So you mentioned you got your bonus and you had money sitting in your account and you mentioned previously that you built up or well, you've got a property empire of over 30 properties, including a retirement village uh, yeah. with old people who are, are going to move in there soon. What was your first property you bought and can describe what you went through your through your head during that first property? We, I, I remember buying my first property. I was like, oh, no, the, the property market's going to crash. It's all going to go wrong. And because it's a big it's a big decision. So I'm thinking back to the listener at home, like, maybe they're buying their first property and yeah, kind of talk me through that, that first moment. I think it was exactly the same as what I described with trading really is starting small. So we bought something that wasn't a total wreck, but needed a little bit of work. We bought it at auction. So we got it slightly under value. We did the work ourselves. We, so what I, I think I mentioned Swindon earlier. So I lived in Swindon for quite a long time and we know builders there. We know tilers, we know roofers, we know plasterers. So we kept it in an area where we knew people. We did some of the work ourselves. So we knew that we had a, a decent amount of profit in it if the worst came to the worst. We bought a small house. I think it was £100,000 to start with. It was probably 6% annum on the rental side of things. And we started very small with two or three of them and then built up. Okay, amazing. And you've now got a retirement complex tell me what i mean the what i mean yeah well, it's and interesting I, actually the the retirement complex i wouldn't do again so okay. uh we went this is the largest one we've gone for we've gone in with two other partners whereas every other time we always did it on our own uh there's 70 units on the retirement complex it's taken a lot longer than expected because of there's so many units and the planning dragged on, et cetera, et cetera. There's a little bit of political difficulty with one of the parties because they're not the worst person in the world to deal with, but they're not easy. The other partner is great to deal with, but doesn't like confrontation, so we'll never get in the middle. So we haven't bitten off more than we could chew, but it's I, I wouldn't do a project this big again. Uh, the best one we did, I think, which was the perfect size, was just after the crash in 2008. We An office block became available. We bought it really cheaply at auction. I did all the numbers. I, I couldn't see how we could. The market had already crashed. I couldn't see how we could uh, lose from it. I've always kept some cash back for a rainy day, so that cash was there waiting, so we didn't have to borrow too much from the bank. And we turned that office block into 27 apartments made a, a load up front and they've, they're right in Swindon Centre, which isn't the best town centre, but they're easily rentable. And that that basically was my retirement. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think the, the thing I've learned is not, not to go too big, not to be too greedy. The other time we were too greedy was probably about seven years ago. We, we had all these, these nice things ticking over. And then a HMO became available, which yeah. is the house of multiple occupancy for people who don't know what that is. So that is basically where you 
rent a room to people and they might share bathrooms and stuff and it's typically at the lower end of the market so the rather than the five or six percent returns we were looking at 15 16 percent with this one so it looked great it looked too good to be true and indeed it was because the amount of hassle we had of people setting off fire alarms people selling drugs from it you you typically yeah you got people that that weren't looking after the place they were causing damage all the time it was just not worth the hassle so once again the whole too good to be true thing it rings true yeah don't don't try and take on too much don't be greedy okay that's no, great i think the retirement complex is amazing i think um if you look at the the numbers of um, people retiring and people we've got an aging population essentially in the uk and people need properties and especially if they're going to be giving you know the, they don't want a, such a large place to live in as they get older yeah i think the the retirement complex is a, is a good long-term play and i like that you've i didn't realize that you switched from offices to um residential which is quite a smart move i think it's especially well it would be an, a uh, a good one now especially more more people are living are working from home i should say so there's maybe more offices kind of become available and yeah the, the amount of people that want to live in properties is obviously increasing people are living longer they're having um they want that people want more space especially during coronavirus so yeah i think it's a good good play long term yeah um, um it's gonna work out all right it's still gonna make us good profit uh it took long as i say it took a lot longer than it our normal projects would I think we could easily have done seven or eight little projects in the time and have made the same amount of money. But I'm I'm extremely proud of all the products that we've produced. The, the retirement village looks beautiful and I'm very sure old people are going to be happy there. The flats we did to a really nice standard as well. And that, that's one thing I would say, always do things properly as well, because you the people think of how you'd want to live in these places. And yeah. landlords that treat people like rubbish and give them awful accommodation to live in. Uh, yeah, it's not for me. So don't, again, don't be greedy. Give people a nice product. Okay. No, that's, that's yeah, fair, fair point. I think that's a really good, uh, honest point where, yeah, treat people as you want them to be treated. I think that's, yes. that's excellent. No, I think I like that a lot. So this podcast is called Millennial Money Mindset. Say the youngest millennial is at 25 today. If they were starting out, do you think it's still possible to build a, uh kind of a, a property portfolio today is it with the market where do you think the market's going what what are your thoughts on that i think yeah wow i mean if you just said to me 12 months ago the market was going to be 12 percent higher i'd have i'd have snapped your hand off actually so i've had take we've taken some profit on some of our properties with the old people's uh, development ongoing we're invested in that. So we've actually taken some profit and sold some properties over the last four or five months. I I don't know where the market's going next. I haven't got a clue. Uh, inflation's going through the roof. The commodity markets are going through the roof. It's not sustainable for everything to keep going through the roof while interest rates are so low. So I, I genuinely do not know the answer to that question. I think in the long term, property will always be a good investment. So I'd just make sure you, you've got a bargain, which right now people are not getting bargains because uh, as I spoke to the estate agent, I bought my house from yesterday and he said everyone was going to seal bids going over the, over the asking price. So I don't think it is a great time right now to be buying property. Over the longer term, I think it always will be and always a very safe bet. Okay, 
Yeah. And there's certain things that you can control and certain things you can't control. So I think you mentioned coming back to your trading, the that day where it was the, the money you lost on that, the, the biggest loss in your day, it was because of something caught on fire, which you couldn't predict. There's certain things that you just don't know it's going to happen. And I, it's kind of um, a common theme with me that worry about what you can control rather than kind of yeah. what you can't control. There's so many things that you can't control. Actually, if you're buying a family house that you're living in long term, then I think it's always going to be a good investment. If you're coming back to your other points where if you're trying to take on too much or be greedy, then you're potentially going to get caught out in the long term. And also you mentioned it was a good point with interest rates as well. Interest rates have been historical, historically low for, well, since 2008. And it was, it was meant to be um, a short-term measure, these, these low interest rates. And who knows what's going to happen with those. So that's uh, another thing that if interest rates go up, then potentially more, that means that the cost of borrowing is increased and potentially it means that house prices could come off. But yeah, who knows? And it's, you've got pol- the political game that people, the politicians play of wanting to keep interest rates lower because yeah they they want a a booming housing market because it's good for their voters which is maybe a political point but um yeah i mean what i I would say and i'm certainly not a a financial advisor but if it was me right now because i think some of the banks are still battling it out to to get people on their books so if i could get into a five-year fixed mortgage right now for me i would be all over that yeah that's exactly what i've done with my own house so, Rob, you're probably the richest guy I know. You own 30 properties. You've made millions trading the commodity markets. The people you w- who work for you drive Porsches. So what is your secret? Uh, I think my secret has been positive. Certainly knowing what your goals were. I knew from a very early age what I wanted. Uh, learning from your mistakes. I've certainly not all been plain sailing. I've made a few mistakes. Some big ones, some little ones. But certainly learning from them and investing money wisely as well. I was always very, I tried to separate money that I'd earned from trading. So I wouldn't gamble with my own money that I, I used the trading to do my gambling. And then when I got my bonuses from the trading, I tried to invest that into sensible things, which was the property company in bricks and mortar. Okay, amazing. So we've covered loads of points. I'm mindful of your time, but maybe, so how can the, we cover wellness and kind of meditation? We, talked about your trading and your the kind of gains and the mindset you had there and we talked about your kind of property portfolio so maybe talk about um with your coaching how can someone listening at home how would they be able to contact you on your website the lust for life website talk more about that how the process you take with the clients from kind of contacting you to kind of becoming better with their with their wellness it's rob at lustforlifecoaching.co.uk uh, I'm on LinkedIn, all over it, so you can find me on that. In terms of the process, it's, it's dead simple. So there's a half an hour, no obligation, free chat where I explain a little bit more about what coaching, mentoring is or isn't, the differences we've described with, with counselling and therapy, and just find out what you actually want from coaching to make sure it is a coach or a mentor that you want, to make sure we're a good fit for each other, because we might not. Personalities might not uh, might not match up. If the rapport's not there, then I'd, I'd just say, quite simply, I think it's probably best you find someone else. Uh, if all of the all of the boxes are ticked and we look like we're a good fit, then we form a partnership. Uh, it's normally a block of what was suggested during our, our learning was a block of six sessions is normally about right. 
and the time span for that is a session every two to four weeks but that's completely dependent on the on the client if they want one earlier and great if they they want to leave a bigger gap because obviously it's all about them getting the most for their money uh and that's it really yeah. fantastic so before we go any anything you'd recommend or any kind of influential books that you've re read or any great quotes or something funny that's happened that you've heard recently uh, a book which i absolutely loved was one called shine okay which I which I read when, when things weren't so quite so good in my life. I found that was really quite influential. There's loads and loads of good books out there. Some brilliant ones. A really good uh, podcast that I am listening to at the moment is called the High Performance Podcast. Okay. I'm and that has uh, loads of athletes, businessmen, all kinds of people on there describing what a high performance life is. And there's some great takeouts from that. A quote I really, really like, which fits completely with, with coaching and mentoring, is from C.S. Lewis. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Nice. I like that a lot. This podcast is brought to you by the book Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. It's the five-step method to getting money mindset, getting more money into your pocket, more time in your day, and less stress in your life. Get your copy today. You can pick it up on Amazon, in print, Kindle, or Audible version. We also give away some free training with every book bought, which is automating your finances to get more me time, so you have more time to do the things that you love with your, with your day. Get your copy today. Money. Mindset. I think that sounds alright.